to Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow for WGN Radio. Team USA Baseball fell in a heartbreaker to Mexico in the bronze medal match at the Premier 12. An Olympic bid on the line. USA losing to Mexico 3-2 in 10 innings. Mexico does get that Olympic bid. USA still has two more chances to lock down a bid for Japan, but there are only two spots left. The U.S. did secure an Olympic bid in men's foil fencing after beating South Korea in Bonn, Germany Sunday, accumulating enough points over a year span to qualify for the event. The U.S. women's national basketball team swept the FIBA Olympic pre-qualifying tournament in Argentina with three straight wins, including a 104-48 win over Colombia. The Chicago Sky's Diamond to Shields finishing that game with nine rebounds. Congrats 2006 Olympic silver medalist Sasha Cohen. She and her fiancé Jeffrey Lieberthal announcing this week they're expecting a baby in January. This week in our sports spotlight, we talk triathlon. It just so happens Kevin McDowell, a triathlete and Olympic hopeful from West Suburban Geneva, Illinois, was in town last week. He's on break from his season. He has overcome so much and now has his eyes set on Tokyo 2020. All right. So the first thing I want to kind of bust your chops about is when I was texting back or emailing back and forth with you, you said you're going to be in town and it's cold. You grew up here. I mean, have have you already lost kind of your 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 winter uh, endurance? Yes, I am a complete softy now. Like, I mean, it's crazy to think back when I was younger, training outside the entire time. And I mean, we had a rule that my coach had until it was below seven degrees Fahrenheit, you trained outside. I mean, unless granted it was snow or icy, but you became tough. And I mean, that doesn't include the wind chill. That's just the temperature. Sure. So it could be wind chill negative 10 outside. But And that's just how it was. But then as I got older and went out to school, I went to Colorado. So it was less calm out there in Colorado Springs. But then since 2013, I've been based in Phoenix, Arizona. So it's a cold there is 55 degrees. I'm complaining then when it's below 50. And this past year has been, I mean, going in Tokyo now, we're preparing for heat, a really hot race. So now, I mean, where I just came from was mid-90s. And then you add the humidity and stuff. So I've just been in these hot climates. And now coming here, it's like... It's 25, and I'm like, this is freezing. I have four jackets, a hat, these thermal gloves, and long socks. And It's like riding a bike, though. I mean, you get used to it. You get, you get a day of shock. We all had it. And then after that, you should get used to it. To a point, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but now I know what else is out there. So I'm kind of like, I'll never move back to the cold like this. How do people do it? How did I do it before is what I question myself. Let's, let's talk about that. You grew up in Geneva. Yeah. Uh, just tell me where you born, raised, what schools you went to, everything like that. Kind of what got you to this point. Yeah. So I grew up in Geneva, Illinois, raised there, um, parents and one sister. And How high school did you go to? I went to Geneva High School. Okay. Yeah. So I basically moved into the house in Geneva that we were in when I was two, and I'd been there since I moved out. And my parents, a few years ago, just moved out of Geneva. So we no longer have a home base there. They're out in Colorado. But yeah, I grew up through there. Great system, great family, friends. Um, and then I just kind of started getting into sports there when I was younger and different club teams like the Geneva River Rats and then just like the middle school. Uh, cross-country track team and then ran in high school as well and started doing just sports through that aspect as well. And so it started with running or did it start with swimming or where? how did you get to triathlete? started with swimming. And the okay. funny thing is when I was five, my dad loves to boat. So he's like, oh, we need to get him into swim lessons to teach him how to swim to be mm-hmm. safe in the water. Well, the funny story is I go to um, swim lessons, then all of a sudden I'm thriving, loving it. And the teacher's like, you should put him in swim team. And they're like, oh, yeah, that'd be fun to go to do because I was super like – hyper needed stuff to do and activities to do so it's good activity my parents to put me in and then i go 
do swim team, next thing you know, I'm starting to love it more, get more involved in it, more morning hours, more weekend swim meets. All of a sudden, then I get um, into more competitive stuff. And then next thing you know, we're not boating anymore because all the, all our weekends are filled up with sure. swim meets and competitive stuff. And then when I was 10, I started to really enjoy running. And then I was fortunate there was a kids triathlon team, I mean, going on right by us. So I went and tried a local triathlon when I was 10 and then joined a club team right after. And from there, that's that was my that's what I fell in love with. I mean, my parents, I had to beg them to let me do this because they were so like protective in a way that they didn't want me to be too intense into sports. They wanted me to do everything. So, I mean, they put me in every sport you could imagine. And then by... 12 i was like i want to do triathlon this is what i want to do and i loved it and i've been doing it since then but yeah basically got went full on into it and that became part of our life triathlon seems like it's gotten bigger at least i've noticed it uh it's it's gotten bigger over the last few years yeah. more and more people participating more and more uh, events going on uh in the area yeah it's just it keeps growing growing more and more i think when i started joining is when it started to really take off from the kid aspect now there's so many kid teams around doing it you see younger people doing it as well but i think from an older aspect too it's just triathlon i think is one of those sports that anyone not anyone but most people can do and it's kind of an achievement when you do it because it's swim bike run you're combining these three sports and it kind of gives people these goal and fun activities to get out the door and i think one thing that's so cool about triathlon is like it doesn't get stale i mean i love to do each of them but it's like you swim train you bike train you run train it's not just the same thing every day if you're on swim team you're swimming every day morning night morning night running it's just running it's like your body, you're doing all these different things and you piece stuff together and it's just always a puzzle to how do I get better in the three aspects. So do you do a swim day, a bike day and a run day or do you combine them all when you're training? We combine them all pretty okay. much. I mean, I'll probably swim five, six times a week. I run about six days a week and I'll bike about five to six days a week as well. So, but it's some days it's all three, some days it's one of them, some days it's two of them, but it's pretty much full time. How do you go from being just a, a high school athlete and there are obviously plenty of them in the Chicago area to this elite level? How, how does, how does that jump happen? Obviously you went to college. What did you, what did you do in college and, and how did you get to this level? Well, I was, I mean, I was very fortunate that there was a kid's team, multi-sport madness triathlon team, and it was um, started by Keith Dixon from the area. And it became, it was like the first tra- kids team that was like a competitive elite team, kind of like the high end swim teams that you see here, or some running club teams like this. We were very elite in the aspect where it was like, we had the goals to like pursue on to go to world championship teams, make it as a career, maybe down the road. And, um, from there, I just started to progress. I did the youth elite races around here and mm-hmm. started to do well. And then I started doing junior races. And from there, I was making junior world teams at, through high school. And by then, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I never – like Geneva didn't have a swim team um, for high school. So I only did cross country because I didn't compete on track because that was during triathlon season. But basically, by the time I was 15, it was full on like one day I want to go to the Olympics. I knew it was an Olympic sport. This is a sport that I want to do. I want to try to make a career out of it. And see how far I can go. So, and it's that has been my goal and passion since. And um, I actually went to college. They started a cl- like team out in Colorado Springs. So I actually trained at the Olympic Training Center. That's a good place to start. Yeah, <laughs> and then went to school as well. Because I mean, I was raised in where we were. It's like college is still very important. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of other countries in sports. I mean, that may be somewhat why some of them have an advantage and what the piece you, triathlon in the U.S. are still figuring out because like. University is so big in the United States. A lot of other countries, it's like sport can be so big that they actually do high school and then 
start their professional career. Yeah, go to academies. Go to, and, yeah. yeah, and they're but we like still get a university degree. And for me, where I was raised, my family brought me up. It's like. I need to still get an education. So I actually went out to Colorado Springs and had a good system there where I could still train full-time triathlon, compete while completing my degree. And then the last two years, I actually, well, three, I completed online for a business degree out there. So it was a tough balance because, I mean, I was traveling. At that point, I was still making a push trying to go for 2016 games, which I had just missed. But I was still um, doing over 12 hours of school a semester, and I'd be traveling on the road for three to four months being in random places. I remember I was taking my final um, in China once, and the internet there was pretty rough. So I emailed the professor. I'm like, hey, I'm over here. I'm at a race. I'm going to try and take this final, but it might block me out. And if it closes out, can I get a pass to do it there? And he was like, all good, all good. It uh-huh. worked out luckily. Yeah. But it was just school was still really important to me. So I wanted to make sure I graduated with a degree and then can continue on to do triathlon because I know in the end of the day I'll go back and do use that degree at some point because you can't do triathlon for your life. Well, that's what I was wondering. I mean, is this a this is a profession? I've talked to a lot of Olympic athletes, and look, you guys are I mean constantly training. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, is this something based on sponsorship? You can you can kind of hang on to. It? Do you have a, another job on the side? It, how, how does that all work financially? Yeah, um, I mean, it's not like we're living this like lucrative like high end rolling money. Sure, like a lot of other sports, but I'm pretty fortunate that USA Triathlon has a pretty good support system, and uh, I'm on the national team there, so I actually get a nice like living stipend through okay. them, and they'll, like health insurance and all the coverage through that, so I'm actually doing all right, and then you get, they help support you to the races, so they're helping get your flights, and your um, lodging, and helping for food, and stuff, so you don't have any expenses, so any like income you make off the races that you compete in, you can get to put that money in, in okay. as well, and can invest in yourself in another way, maybe like for training, or this aspect. But I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm doing okay. We'll put it that way. I'm definitely. I'm not in a stressful situation. I mean, that's been because I've had some good results. I mean, there have been periods. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Beginning of this year, I had a tough um, last year, so I actually kind of got put off the higher national team that I was on. So I wasn't making as much, and I was kind of getting a little stressed. But then, all it takes is a couple of good results, which sure. I was able to put together, and now I'm sitting pretty well going into the next year. So it's a less of a stressor. And I mean, I know. I mean. I have that Olympic dream, and that's what I want to go to. So I'm not as much like money isn't my driving factor. It never has been. I'm more after just enjoying it and the goals that I have. And I know down the road one day I will have another career, but I'm a full-time triathlete, and it takes full-time, yeah. But you don't, you don't have to spend two hours of your day calling up trying to get sponsorships or anything like that. No, I mean, uh, it's, it, sponsorships can be kind of tough. I mean, I have an agent right now that I'm working with, and mm-hmm. she's trying to do some stuff. And I mean, going and doing Olympic year is huge because I um, if make the Olympic team. Then that sets up a lot more sponsorship opportunities and big, high-up people because triathlon is not one of those sports. It's looked upon in the Olympics, but it's not as much like throughout the other sure. quad of the year. It's like people don't think of it as much unless you're, I mean, world champion or top-end people. And, I mean, I'm doing all right. I'm one of the top in the U.S., but I'm still working my way up in the world. So Let, Let's talk because I think I read did you you had some health issues, right? I did, A few yeah. years ago. Why don't you go on to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so my when I was 18, my senior year of high school, I had actually started to do my first professional races and was my final year as a junior. And the year before, I was like bronze medalist at Worlds. I wanted to win the world title in the, my final year of juniors. And there was a lump in my neck. And my mom's a nurse. So she was talking with her one day because I had a good race. But And she saw this lump. So he took me to the doctor and it turned out to be Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. So it actually spun my world down where then it's like, 
I'm from the fittest aspect. Now it's like I've got this, I've got cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I had to um, go through six months of chemo through that time. And through the time, I mean, I was super positive through it. I knew I was like, it was kind of, <laughs> I kind of related to like just, my, it was my new goal, my new task and finish line to get to that aspect. And I knew I had to just endure. I had chemo every other week on Mondays for six months. So in the beginning, because I was so fit going in, it didn't take too much toll. So I'd actually go in, get my chemo, I'd go for a run, I'd go for eight-mile run with my friends and just try to be as normal as possible. And that's one person who, when I met, um, when I was going for my first treatment, there was this lady there, and it stuck with me to this day where she's like, make sure to be as normal as possible. Live, Still live your life. Don't lock yourself up or feel poor me, this, this, that. And that's what I held on to. So I'm like, what can I do, not what can't I do? And that's kind of the aspect mentality I had through it. And I made through it, and then after that, I was like, great, let's go back to triathlon. And now the big issue was I was so motivated mentally, but my body wasn't ready. I never fully respected what I went through, all mm-hmm. the chemo that it took on my toll. And um, it was quite a rocky few years where I actually had to take some time off from the sport. kind of didn't know if I was going to be able to do it anymore because my body kept breaking down. And then I could only mentally fight for so long. And um, that, that period is actually when I went full on into school, a summer school. I took, I think I took like 16 credits in two months, like crazy amount of school just to do something different. And then I kind of started talking with a different coach and who, um, who's Jonathan Hall and Bobby McGee. And I'm still actually to this day, they're still my coaches. So working with them and, but it was been up and down. And I would honestly say not until this past year, this season is when I'm like, I'm back, I'm really? back to pre-cancer where I was at. Because, like, just the amount the chemo took on my body was quite alarming. And I just never, I mean, doctors knew it. My mom was a nurse, knew it, but I didn't believe it. So I was kind of like, no, I'm fine. So you cancer-free then? I'm cancer-free. Okay. Completely cancer-free. Back in 20, so I went through it in 2011. And in 2016 is when I had my final scans and everything came back clean. So completely cancer-free. If anything ever would come back, has nothing related to what I had before. But it was just one of those, don't know how it happened or what. Sure. It was just... Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> we, so you, you've talked about kind of the physical as- aspect of it, but the mental aspect, what kind of triathlete are you now having gone through that compared to during or even before? Has that changed you and your mentality at all? It has. I mean, I just now look back and I think of everything I've been through and it was mentally like the tough days and thinking of by that last period through chemo, man, it was rough. I felt terrible, mm-hmm. shocking and sick. And I would just think of like all I'd been through in that aspect and um, all the trial or trials I had to overcome, even after it, building myself back. I mean, I lost heaps of weight. I, my body completely changed in an aspect. And I mean, it was during a time too where we're finishing growing as guys. It's like I'm 18 years old. I'm not completely through the puberty aspect growth. Sure. So it's really affected that as well in the beginning. And um, delayed everything, but from a mental aspect, I just I was very fortunate then what I went through. Not gonna lie, though, after I did struggle a bit and had to talk with a lot of psychologists, just because like it was almost more. Why did I the survivor's guilt? Yeah, which is like hard to ask, but it's because like, well, I'd you'll hear other stories. Yeah, and they hadn't made it through, and I'm like, well, why did I make it through so easily? Like yeah. I was very fortunate. Like I didn't have many hospital stuff. Like it's crazy. Like how well I made it through. Now I think that was because I was so healthy and already going in, had great nutrition stuff, had like exercise and did a lot of that through it. That helped me stay as healthy as I was through it. But I've seen many other people who weren't as fortunate and that really rocked me for a while. Sure. And I told them that. Let's uh, you, you've brought it up a couple times now. 2016 Olympics didn't happen. Yeah. Um, 
where I, I, I've been I've been following you on and the, the various things that have been posted as far as your standings. Congratulations. Looks like you've been on the podium a few times lately, yeah. right? Yeah. Including your last race. That was your last race just a couple weeks yeah, ago of the year. Yeah, just last weekend I raced in San Domingo, and it's pretty cool because we had did an American sweep. So, so uh, what is it? Three Americans can qualify for the Olympics? Yes, is that up right? to three. Up so to three. It's a tough qualification. Like Usually we'll either get two or three spots. And because as American men have been doing so well the back latter half of this year, it's looking like we can get three Olympic spots. Okay. And what do you have to finish in the top 30? Is that what it is? Yeah. So you have to make sure, like, off the, have this Olympic ranking for, like, Mm -hmm. it's over two 12-month periods. So we're in the second period already, halfway through it. And until, we have to make sure we have three of us with inside the top 30. So right now... There's three guys inside the top 30. I'm just outside the top 30. So we've almost got four in the top 30 right now. And so we just have to make sure we come out next year and have enough good results to make sure we have three spots because that makes the odds a lot better to making the team. What days do you have circled on your calendar already? I mean, obviously, there you've, you've got to make some headway up here, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's something that you're focused on. Yeah. So, I mean, next year, I've got to come out hot and still, like, like I have like this off season won't be as long just because next year is such a big year and selections no man is selected yet so our final like automatic selection is next May so that's an important one for me but for me a big focus is there's a new thing called the mixed team relay into the yeah. Olympics this year next year and it's very exciting I think it's take off it's been taking off huge it's so spectator friendly I think it's going to make great TV and I think it's going to be a centered event into the Olympics next year in Tokyo. And that is what I want to be on, especially. That's my big focus. The okay, so there's the awesome. individual, and then there's this mixed team. Yeah, so team, now we've got two medal opportunities. And personally, myself, I'm not going to be a medal contender individually. I just, I mean, I could be a top 10, I think. I believe okay. I could be in the top 10, top 8 on my day. But I just don't see, like, I'm just not quite there yet to be an Olympic medalist individually. But our U.S. team, 100%, we're, like, huge medal favorites, even for the gold. So I look at that, and I'm like, that's my opportunity. And so it goes as it's a super sprint triathlon, so it's super short and fast and exciting. So each leg is a 375-meter swim, a 300-meter swim, a it's like a 10, like a 6, 10K bike, and then a 2K run. And it goes, girl completes the whole mini triathlon, then she tags off to a boy, and then tags off, and then the boy tags off to a girl, and then tags off to a boy and finish. Okay. So it's like... Things change throughout the dynamics, and each leg is about 20 minutes long, so it's about an hour 20 total. Quick, fast, exciting stuff, and that's where the U.S., we've, um, last year I was on the world team, and we got third, and then the year before, they had won, so it's kind of where heavy favorites to be at least on the podium, if not win, against some of the other top countries. So, You've been to Japan so far? I have, yeah. What is it, What are the venues look like? What Do they seem like they're ready? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be ready. It's okay. going to be, I mean, it's Japan. Japan's an incredible country. They're Japanese. They're friendly people. They're very meticulous, very on time, and they have standards and know what to do, and I believe it's going to be an incredible game. I mean, it's going to be blazing hot, so that's something we're really preparing for. I mean, this year, like, they're predicting it to be the hottest Olympic Games ever. So that's something that's a big focus for us. Is I heard that in, at, in Colorado Springs, they're actually, they're at, they've actually set up certain conditioning for, for athletes to be ready, whether it be elevation, whether it be humidity. Yeah. Um, that's some of the things that, you know, I mean, obviously technology is playing a bigger factor, but they're, 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 they're finding out what works and what doesn't, trying to re-simulate what it's going to be like over there. And that's actually, I was back in Colorado Springs this last month, and I actually did a little bit of that, and they can do testing in there. So we figure out, what's my sweat rate? What am I, my, like, 
sodium rates and how much like in the heat in this factor and adapting to it and what I need to know going in. So last month, I actually did a little bit of that training in these like heat chambers. So they created it to like extreme temperature and humidity and it's pretty tough in there. But that's what you got to be prepared for because that's what and that's also a big focus, too, because they're looking at that because it's some athletes compete really well in cold and heat. And I'm more of a hot, hot racer. OK, so I love the heat. So it was good, especially this last weekend. It was a hot race to show I can compete in the heat for what they're looking for. All so. right. You, we had talked just prior before starting this uh, about drug testing and the crazy stuff that you have to go through yeah. uh, to be tested at any time, it sounds like, anywhere. I mean, yeah. you're here in Chicago. This isn't where you live anymore, but you could have gotten the call or someone could have knocked at your door. Yeah, no. Um, drug testing is huge at this day and age, and I, I'm a huge believer that it's like an awesome thing that they're doing where it's like, because there's been so many people who have just like cheated the system, and um, for us, are they cheating the system, or is is the standards is the threshold changing? You know, I think the technology is just advancing. So I think more people are starting to figure things out, and I think now they're being held to higher standards. And with us, so I have this thing with USADA as an app, so I have to tell them where I am pretty much at all times. Where. Uh, I honestly wish I could almost be a tracker, so they just know. Some people like that crosses your personal boundaries, but I just think it makes make life easier. So they could just roll up here, and they're like, oh, "I would need to test you right now." But I have to give an hour a day of a window of time where I'm at. So I was at a friend's apartment here, and from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., I put my slot. So they could show up at that door, and you have to be there. If you're not there, it's considered a miss, and you get three misses a year, and then you're considered. Um, it's a ban. So you get, I don't know how long it is, it's maybe two-year ban. Um, and so, yeah, you have to make sure you're on top of it when you're giving your travel dates. So it's like when I leave on Sunday, I've got my flight information. This is where I am. I'm coming from Chicago to here at this time. And they'll show up because a few years ago, yeah, they roll up randomly to places and you got to be prepared. Do, does the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, do they do a good job telling you, like giving you information as to, you know, you can use this, you can't use this? Yeah, they got a great app. It's called Global Draw. And you go there and I make sure anything I take is on that, like cleared on that list without question. Sure. You don't want to put anything to chance in what you put in. So it's like any supplements I do take, I make sure it's. It's called like NSF approved or certified or something, or it's just a completely natural aspect where it's like there's absolutely no chance or risk of ingredient in there because there's been times where people will take a vitamin or something or a protein supplement and there's something else laced in it that you just don't realize. But when you know it's tested by a third party and NSF approved, you know you're safe. Sure. You can come back at it. But yeah, you just have to document everything you take. So I don't won't take too much just because of that what uh, what advice would you have for the uh, amateur triathletes out there i think just get out in the door and do it like look around at there's a lot of local club triathlon teams out there too and join a club do something like join us like there's have master swim teams or people doing it and i personally myself i think it's so fun to do with people and i'm on a squad team so my team is actually it's a canadian-based coach and but there's about 12 of us athletes there, and we travel around together in different countries, but then we go and compete. But it's so much more fun to get out the door when you got some people to go running with, biking with, and look around and just find a club on that. And you can find that on USA Triathlon or anywhere, just local run stuff or run shops that like communities and stuff. But I think getting out and doing it with people is huge. Is the off-season for rest and relaxation, or is the off-season just a time to, to refocus now on, on 
the task at hand in 2020. Yeah, there's two fees, two phases of off season. Right now, I'm in full on turnoff mode, where it's just like, don't have to stress about what time you're going to run or do anything. Like, I'll have a week. I'm doing nothing, no activity. I'm already though twiddling my thumbs, like wanting yeah. to do stuff. But yeah, it's like no, it's your time to turn off, catch up with friends, not worry about stay on top of nutrition as bad or sleep or any of that stuff. And it's because you need that just to reset your body because you're so, when you're fully in the season, you're so focused, have all these tasks you have to do and training comes first. And it's all these little pieces that add up to the big pieces. But then starting next week, I'll go back into Arizona where I'll be based for the winter. And it's the, they call it off season, but that's where it's actually you make the biggest ground leading next year and you build this base. So it's more basic training and more like longer hours. And it's a lot of times some people, it's not the most exciting stuff because you're just training. But personally, I love it. I love to get out and train and stuff too. So it's not as grinding and tough for me as some people may see where they just love the racing, which I love the racing and that's why I do it. But I also enjoy the training because you have to at this point because when you're getting out the door and training up to 30 hours a week, it adds up. <laughs> sure, sure. Where can people find you if they want to follow you, track you, find out what's going on? Yeah, um, I've got, I mean, an Instagram account, um, I'm Kevin McDowell and Twitter. I mean, I'm not super active on it, but you can go through there and also just through like pages of USA Triathlon and stuff as well. You can follow through there, but I'm trying to get a little more active on the media side, but personally, it's just not my biggest. What's the one thing that uh, now that you're gone, now that you're in Arizona, your family moved to Colorado, when you come back to Chicago, what's the one thing you got to do? Well, usually, you know, it's funny. It used to be like always Illuminati's pizza sure. or the deep dish pizza. But actually now in Arizona, like they've got Illuminati's pizza across the street yeah. from my place. So it's actually been awesome because I've been taking a lot of friends there. There, and a lot of, a, there are a lot of Chicagoans in Arizona yeah, now, there aren't are. there? Yeah. I mean, they've got a Portillo's. They've got yeah. the um, Illuminati's actually just opened a Giordano. Like, so they've all of a sudden got this melting pot of all these things here. But... No, I, it used to always be Illuminati's, but now it's there. But it's fun for it to be down there because when we're in a hole in training down there, I'm like, guys, I know what can bring us out. Let's go get, <laughs> order a big piece of pizza here. Then you'll, you'll be set. You'll be happy. Thank you, Kevin. We'll continue to follow him on his journey. On the next Quest for Gold, we talk with Lauren Carlini, a volleyball player from Aurora who now plays in Russia. She's had her eyes set on playing in the Olympics for Team USA since she was a kid. She tells us all about it on the next Quest for Gold, only at WGNRadio.com. Thank you.